This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Kego Lasso Wednesday preview time. We have plenty of games, including... Sevilla against Barcelona at Camp Now, the second leg of Copa del Rey. We have Premier League matches, League A. We have Portuguese Cup games, Serie A, German Cup. And of course, Liga MX. Jimmy Conrad is here. And we talk all Wednesday preview. Que golazo begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que golazo on this beautiful Tuesday. This is our Wednesday preview and of course with me as always jimmy conrad jimmy what's up man oh what's up everybody how are you doing i hope this podcast slash video finds you guys in good spirits and your families in good health absolutely correct and by the way before we started taping jimmy is so good in spanish everybody no I'm no telling i'm telling I'm you shy. no I'm, I'm practicing i'm getting i'm trying to work on learning the language. It's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I think for people that have tried to learn a language, I've hit that plateau. And, and this is where I usually quit. But this time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push right through it and try to do my best to, to continue to learn. Because I think it's really important to think in another person's culture, another person's language, because I think you understand the subtlety and nuance of where they're coming from in a much different way than than all the gringo stuff that I already know. <laughs> Amen, brother. Absolutely. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes and you will go even further. And by the way, así se aprende. Habla nomás. Habla, habla, habla. I always keep talking and I'll be good. Um, but love it. I love it. Hey, Jimmy C. Listen, uh, today, welcome everybody. Que golazo Wednesday preview. Uh, Jimmy, Wednesday is crazy. There's, there's so many lot, games. There's a lot of games. And this is a precursor for a great weekend of some big rivalries as well. So this is just a great week for the beautiful game. And I'm, I'm excited to, to get into it. Let's go. Absolutely. Vamos. Absolutely. Vamos, as we say. All right. How we begin? Listen, we always begin with the Premier League and rightly so. Obviously, a very big league, very popular with everybody. But today we begin with Copa del Rey. Uh, we wanted to get it going in Spain. The second leg as Sevilla once again faced Barcelona. I feel like Sevilla is sick of Barcelona by this point. But they once again uh, travel to Camp Now. Uh, the second leg, Jimmy Sevilla leads this one to nothing. But if we can see the blueprint from the past weekend, who knows? Uh, this is a very big game, obviously. One game away from the final. Sevilla visiting Barcelona, second leg of Copa del Rey. What do you have? What do you have for me? Well, they're meeting for the second time in four days, as you've correctly mentioned. And this is the third time they're meeting in the last three weeks. So, yes, they got to be tired of seeing each other. Like you said, though, both have won 2-0 in their respective first two games. So I don't know what's going to happen now with regard to it. I do think that Ronald Koeman, the manager of Barcelona, got his tactics very spot on this past weekend when they traveled to Sevilla and won that game 2-0. 
They had a back three, three center backs. Okay, everybody, Sergio Busquets sat in front of that, that back three. He can't move as much as he used to, but man, he is very good at playing out of pressure and transitioning the team. He's, he's one of the best. His one-touch game is excellent. I love Sergio Busquets just for that purpose. Jordi Alba and Serginho Dest, usually the outside backs were way up high. Their starting positions were a lot higher. So it was a 3-1-4-2, and they had Usman Dembele starting up top with Leo Messi. And I think that threw Sevilla off a little bit, that Dembele was so high up the field instead of being an out-and-out -out winger. And that Dest and Jordi Alba, well, I think they expected Jordi Alba to bomb forward because I think he he's a closet forward and striker in his mind, I think. But because he always ends up in the box. I'm like, how did Jordi Alba end up on the end of that cross? It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So Serginho Dest, I thought having a higher starting position was better for him. He looked a lot more confident in this game. Dembele being a little bit more central, he ended up scoring the first goal. Uh, I just think there are all these little things that Kuman's doing to really figure out his team. And I thought they played very well. That said, Sevilla coming into this one, I just don't know if they're going to lose a two-goal lead. If Barcelona can score early, then that puts a lot of pressure on Sevilla. And that's more than possible, of course. But the Sevilla team, especially in cup competitions outside of the Champions League, let's just, let's, if they can just think about it, this competition being the Europa League, then they've got a great chance of winning this one because they love winning the Europa League. Also, both of these teams have to see they got Levante and Athletic Bilbao in the other semifinal. If they can get past each other in this one, then they got to think that they're going to win this one. If Barcelona wins the Copa del Rey, they're still the winningest team of this competition. They've won 30 in their history. So there's a lot there. I, I, Barcelona has to look at this and think this could be our best chance to win a trophy this season. And so, I don't know, Luis, it's, it's, it's uh, my only concern. I've got a whole bunch of notes here for you guys. Araujo came out with an injury. He came on as a sub against Sevilla and then came out like 15 minutes later with an injury. Pedri came off hurt. He's been very good, the, the teenager in midfield. Uh, PK got a bit of a knock. Umtiti came on for Araujo. But if you guys remember leg one, or maybe you don't, but Umtiti was kind of responsible for both goals that Sevilla scored. So I don't know if he'll even play. He's also obviously very injury prone. What I'll say with regard to Sevilla, though, is no Lucas Ocampos in this one. Again, they're just not the same team when he's not in the side. He brings a lot of balance. So Inezri as well, who was leading La Liga in goals, okay, he hasn't scored in his last five. Suso didn't play over the weekend, or he played a little bit, and then or he didn't start, excuse me, and, and he's going to come back into the team. But no Ocampos, he just provides some dynamic, Luis, that, that, and some speed. When you can put Papu Gomez in there, we all love Papu Gomez, right? But He's not, gonna, he's not looking to get behind. He's not looking to stretch the defense. And I think where you can catch Barcelona is they do play a high line. And Rakitic did it in leg one where he, he ended up scoring on a breakaway. And it's because he ran deep from midfield to make that happen. They have to be looking for those opportunities because I still feel like this Barcelona defense, especially with a very slow Busquets in front of them, has some vulnerabilities. And I don't know who's going to play in their back line. And I think there are a lot of question marks there. So I just don't know. If Sevilla can score that goal and get that away goal, then I think that, I love talking about this, by the way. I think you guys can tell. I love the tactics behind all this. Uh, Julian Lopetegui and Kuman, very, very smart guys. And obviously have a great players that can execute their, their plans. I just, if Sevilla can lose this one, 2-1 or 3-1 and still go through to the final, right? Because they're going to get that away goal. I like that to happen. So I like Barcelona to win. I think it'll be over two and a half goals. And that, if, if Barcelona does win 3-0, then you still kind of win this bet. But it's minus 105. So you have to bet 105 to win 100. If you want Barcelona to win and both teams to score, which I could see happening as well, plus 163. That's a little bit more on the plus side, so you bet 100 to win 163. That's how those odds work. That's kind of what I'm feeling. I think Barcelona will get the result. It's just a matter of whether you think Sevilla is going to get that away goal to go through to the final. Lots of beautiful info there, Jimmy. See, uh, all right, a few things. One, okay. 
I'm sure you I'm sure you've heard this, Jimmy, in your career. I know that I heard it in my Sunday league and you know, even before there, it's like two nothing is the most dangerous. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. <laughs> because psychologically it can do so many things. So that's to me the number one worry for Sevilla. How do you approach this game? Do you go into it saying to yourself, we're two nothing up, just protect or pretend that you're two nothing down? Just keep going and keep fighting. I think the Ocampos uh, absence is gigantic. You bring it up correctly. And I think that the other point that you make is, listen, if I was Sevilla's uh, head of social media, I would just like tweet, Instagram, whatever, Europa League, semifinals, <laughs> just completely exactly. try and sell it that this is the Europa League. Because if this was a Europa League game, Sevilla would be all over Barcelona. The biggest question mark for Barcelona, I think, is, uh, as you said again, is the midfield. Who is going to you know, be that sort of tipping point above Sergio Busquets and Frankie de Jong? Is this a game for Ricky Puig to do his thing? Is this a game for somebody to maybe lead that way and let Sergio Busquets just sit in front of the back line? You know, that would be a big question mark. And again, to your point, Papu Gomez is your creator. He's the one that says the fluidity. He's not your finisher. I mean, he was with Atalanta because, you know, Gasparini just like threw everybody in there. But with this current situation, he's looking to create more than anything else. And when you don't have a final tipping line with Sevilla, that could be a problem. It's... To me, the biggest problem here is that actually is it's, it's Sevilla's biggest advantage, the fact that they're 2 nothing up. If, it was, if they were one nothing down, I think this could be simpler to figure out. But the fact that they're 2 nothing up kind of worries me. So I feel like Lopetegui should be like, listen, forget 2 nothing up, which is, I think, what he'll do. But he'll be like, let's pretend we're 2 nothing down. Just go to come now and pretend that we're losing this aggregate and just go out there and kill yourselves. Problem is, when you do that against the Barcelona side, who's in form, they'll just get you every time, especially on the counter. So I don't know, but those lines are good. I, I still don't know what, what I think. Uh, any final thoughts before I give my final score prediction? Because I'm still going back and forth here. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, up to this point, you know, Sevilla's been pretty good. And then they ran into this Dortmund team who crushed them in the Champions League. I mean, really slapped them around and, and beat them up a bit. And I don't think they've responded to that. They, they, I, mean, I feel like they have two of the best center backs in the world, Diego Carlos and, and, and Jules Koundé, who I think Koundé could be going to Real Madrid over this, this summer. Keep your eye out on that. But, but he hasn't been very good. Uh, I thought the goal that Ushman Dembele scored over the weekend, very, very preventable. You know, yeah. the Messi one, you can't do anything about the Messi, right? He's just going to do what he wants it's to do when messy. he gets going. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But, but so you have to account for Messi maybe getting one. But again, all you need is that one going forward. So Luke de Jong didn't, did, started over the weekend, came out at halftime for Inezri, that move didn't necessarily work, though. I thought that with Inezri in the team, they had more opportunities. Sevilla had a little bit more flow. But again, he hasn't scored in his last five games. De Jong scored two goals in his last three. Just depends how you want to get – where do you think you're going to get your space from, from Barcelona? And you have to break that first line of pressure because if you have Dest and Jordi Alba playing up high as wingbacks, they're going to be very good at getting that immediate pressure on you. But if you can break through that and then really start to run at their back three and try to pull Busquets out of the middle, that's where you're going to make – and have a lot of success. So I wonder, Papu Gomez also started over the weekend. He came out very early on, didn't have much of an impact. I don't think he's necessarily finding his rhythm just yet with Sevilla. These are really important players that have to have an impact on the game for Sevilla to have any chance. And, and we can sit here and argue, and I think everybody listening knows, if you want to win anything of consequence, your best players have to show up and play in the biggest games, right? And so this is, no, this, is, this is a mystery to any of that. So if these guys show up and play, Sevilla can definitely get a result. 
But Barcelona definitely have a little bit more momentum at the moment. On that note, Ousmane Dembele is absolutely firing in all cylinders as well. So it's not just about Lionel Messi. It's not just about all the attacking uh, weapons that they have. It's going to be tough. I, I just, I know I sound like a broken record, everybody. I'm sorry. But I just go back to the fact that they're leading 2 nothing, And I wonder if that's actually, in effect, sneakily uh, a side effect. All right, I'll give you my score prediction. Do it. I think both teams are going to score. There's no Good. doubt about it. Even when Borussia Dortmund did their thing against Sevilla, they still got two in there, That's right? True. So Sevilla will get a goal here. I just think that Barcelona right now is feeling good, feeling confident. They're at home. It, to your point, Ronald Koeman's only chance maybe of getting a, a, a trophy here because no matter how well they're doing in the league, I still think Atletico will just keep rolling. Champions League, forget about it. PSG's got their number. Is this the only chance for Ronald Koeman? So I will go with... A 3-1 win in this game. That, that, you know that puts Sevilla through to the final. So that puts Sevilla through. So Barcelona, if, if Sevilla score one, Barcelona have to score four. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I see Barcelona winning this leg 3-1, uh-huh. but Sevilla going through. All right. Uh, that's Barcelona to win both teams to score, plus 163. So right. I'll, I'll stick with you on that. I could see a 3-1 for sure, and Barcelona just being... Like Barcelona every, could throw- be leading 3 nothing, and then suddenly in the last yeah. five, Minutes if you get that goal. <laughs> Luke Luke de Jong and his big coconut up top will get on the end of a cross and, and bury one, you know. And oh my uh, god, that boy can jump and touch the ceiling. I'm telling you, he's just that that and he's just a big he's a big man. He's yeah, a big he's giant man. Big dude. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that was Copa del Rey. All right, let's continue here. Let's go to the Premier League here, Jimmy Connor. Because do it. this Premier League keeps rolling. Obviously, Man City feeling very good. Um, and as we're taping, they play on Tuesday, of course. So they have breathing room, uh, regardless of what happens on Tuesday. But there's some games on Wednesday, uh, beginning, of course, with Manchester United as they travel to Crystal Palace. Olegana Solskjaer knows how important these games are because Man City or not, which they'll face in the weekend, they still have to make sure that they retain uh, a Champions League spot. How do you see this one away at Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park? I'm going to put my, or let me say, I'm going to keep my soccer nerd, soccer geek hat on because I love the tactics in these games between two managers, Roy Hodgson, obviously a little bit more experienced than Ole Gunnar, but Ole Gunnar still figuring out a way to get results. Even if you're like, "Ah, I don't really feel that guy's a manager, he still figures out a way to somewhat win you over. Now, the last time these two met at Old Trafford, was it early in the season? If you guys remember back in September, Palace won 3-1. But now 17 points separate the two clubs in the table. So things have gone <laughs> a little bit different directions for both since that. Also, no Wilfred Zaha in this one. Yeah, and I big. feel like no Zaha, no party for Crystal Palace, especially when we have to consider that Manchester United are on a 20-game unbeaten streak away from home in the Premier League. However, both teams are coming off 0-0 results on the weekend. Palace drew 0-0 with Fulham, and then United drew with Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. And I think... For anybody watching either one of those games, we want all 90 of those minutes of our life back. Now, I will say the last five at Selhurst Park where this game is being played, there have been five straight losses for Palace against Man United. So I think that has to to be taken into consideration. Uh, So I wonder about the lineup because, as you mentioned, the big Manchester derby this upcoming weekend. But if you're being realistic, if you're Ole Gunnar and the staff, you have to think, you're hoping to get a point against this juggernaut known as Man City over the weekend, given how well they're playing. And you need to get the result against Crystal Palace to stay relevant. You know what I mean? So when I take that into consideration and how they're looking about juggling their lineup, I just feel like you're going to roll out your big guys for this Crystal Palace game. You need to secure all three points, and then you hope you get a draw, maybe maybe steal some points against City, which I don't think is going to happen. 
So I suspect that you'll see Bruno Fernandez once again. Every time we think we should rest him, they never rest him. And I, my only concern is that Crystal Palace is going to sit everybody back behind the ball. I've got some crazy stats. You guys need to hear this, okay? Palace have registered only 33 shots in their five Premier League games in February, which is the lowest number by a team in a single Premier League month with at least five games since records began, okay? And they only got six shots total over their last two games while facing 41 shots in return, and yet they won and drew those two, okay? They, the, one of those results was a 2-1 win over Brighton. Listen, Luis, this is the most amazing thing I've ever, I've ever seen. Against Brighton when they won 2-1, they only had two touches total in the opposition's box. <laughs> you know, that's, that, that's like hard to do. That's hard to do. And they somehow won that game 2-1. So yeah. I just want to bring that up because without Zaha, I just think you're going to see more of the same. They're going to just sit everybody back, hope to counter, wait for, for ultimately, and we've seen it before, Manchester United get impatient, especially against teams that sit all those players back. And then there's some gaps for them to get exploited. We saw it against West Brom. I'm going to use West Brom as an example, who should have beat United doing the same exact tactics that Palace are going to do. They should have beat them 3-1. I mean, they had a ton of opportunities. That one ended 1-1. United are going to have a tough time breaking them down. If they can score early, then I think the game will relax and they'll probably see it out. But if they don't, it's just going to get harder and harder and harder. I think that gives Palace more opportunity. I think Man United will win. I think there's going to be some real urgency here. Like the, We're getting to the end of the season, right? You can start to feel these points start to matter more and more and more. They had, Honestly, they can't be looking ahead to City just yet. They need to figure this one out. If they draw once again, they've got four out of their last five have been draws. They need to get a win. So I like Man United to win an under two and a half goals plus 270. I think, I think we're going to see a 1-0 here. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Listen, Edison Cavani uh, possibly returning to this hasn't played since the West Brom game. That could mean something. There's still a lot of injuries for United, but again, Palace without Wilfred Zaha, as you said, is just totally different. Even the fact, I mean, they have talented players. Eberiche Eze is a player. He can play, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Jordan Ayew can play. Townsend can still do his thing. It's just that, unfortunately, Roy Hodgson's mentality is usually reactive as opposed to proactive. And then when you play Manchester United, who hasn't lost, uh, you know, I don't think they've lost uh, at Selhurst Park. And, you know, definitely not the last 11 games. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's so something I could, crazy. Yeah. everything is pointing to a United win. It's just that what happens when that usually is the case? That's what worries me uh, a little bit for United. But just because there's no Saha makes it so much easier for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And the fact that Cavani will come in, I mean, Cavani will be probably salivating at this kind of uh, fixture. Maybe he probably he might not start, I'm sure. But, you know, if he gets some minutes, we know that what he can do with just 20 minutes remaining. This game is going to be very ugly, I think. It's not going to be a pretty <laughs> oh, yeah. look at. 100%. 100%. Just because United, I mean, and it's not just all down to Palace. I just, United themselves, again, I talked about Roy Hodgson being reactive. I think United's play a lot of the time is reactive. They could have done so much more against Chelsea, and it was just like very limited. So I wonder what will happen here when Roy Hodgson will basically just put up two walls and just be like, all right, what are you going to do? So hopefully, uh, for the sake of United fans, they'll be able to unlock it. But make no mistake here, everybody, because I'm just looking... Um, at the Premier League table, right? And United, 50 points, one point above Leicester City and five above West Ham, you know, as we speak before the Tuesday matches. I mean, you can say goodbye to the Premier League title, but Champions League spots are, are important. Palace, 
13th, they're not going up. They're not going down. They're just staying right where they are. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, so I like that one nothing with Manchester United. It will be ugly. There'll be one goal in it. I'll even get Cavani to score that one, to be honest with you. Uh, well, I, I'd like to see Cavani come back into the team. I, I do think they need a more of a proper number nine up top. With all due respect to Martial and Rashford when those guys play, Mason Greenwood, those guys feel like out-and-out wingers for me, and they, they feel more comfortable when they're kind of on the outside coming in or trying to find those gaps. Uh, in between. At the very least, Martial needs a partner. Like He does, he does. He needs somebody to run off of. I think somebody a little bit closer. My, my big concern here is, and I think we learned this against West Brom for all you United fans out there, when you play McTominay and Fred as your double pivot, I don't know if it's necessary to have two guys sitting in front of the back four when you know that the other team is just going to sit all 11 guys back behind the ball. You need other tempo makers. You need, and this could be a good one for Vandebeek. I don't know if he's healthy for this one. Um, yeah, he looks like he's healthy. But Vandebeek would be a great addition to this. I know you guys would be like, well, we tried that at Istanbul, Bashaksha here, and then back back in the Champions League, and we lost, you know. But Matic was in, it was like Matic, Vandebeek, and Bruno, and like nobody was going to defend out of those three. So you still have a McTominay, you can still have a Fred, but I think one of those guys might need to be sacrificed to just try to create numerical advantages that's going to break down and pull players out of space for Crystal Palace, right? You need to you need to draw somebody in, and Fred and McTominay, for me, just play... Unless we get the McTominay that scored two goals in the first three minutes against Leeds, that's a different version of McTominay. You mean Yes, but but so maybe you keep McTominay in and, and leave Fred out, but you still need some hard worker in there that's going to protect the back four. But I feel like this could be an opportunity for Ole Gunnar to, to bring in a Van de Beek or, or, or a Juan Mata or somebody that can help break it down a little bit and give some additional help to Bruno Fernandez, or at least take some attention away from Bruno Fernandez so that he can have more time and space to do his thing. So it'll be interesting to see, but if you, if you're a United fan and you see McTominay and Fred, just know that I'll be rolling my eyes if those guys start as well, because they shouldn't, they don't need both of those guys. In yeah. This, game. this is why I meant there. This is why I meant Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tactics sometimes are very reactive because to your point, they don't need all that because he's reacting to what the opposition might bring. Instead of doing that, why don't you enforce your own creative weapons and see what you can do? Sometimes I'm just like, you need to remember that you're Manchester United. You're a good squad. Like, go at them. So, but one nothing, I, I see it. A very thin margin. Listen, some other games in the Premier League. Sheffield United host Aston Villa. Burnley against Leicester City. Uh, any thoughts from that one before we take a quick break, Jimmy Conrad? If Aston yeah. Villa win, if Aston Villa win, they'll go above Tottenham. Um, you know, and they have a game in hand as well. Obviously, you know, not taking in consideration the Tuesday games. But Leicester City, they need a reaction, huh? Yes, Leicester City need a reaction for sure. I think they're having a little bit of that feeling sorry for themselves. They probably wouldn't say it like that, but not playing particularly well. Obviously getting knocked out of the Europa League by, you know, some people would call it a farmer's league, the Czech, the Czech League with uh, Slavia Prague doing the business uh, and actually outperforming Leicester over, over the two legs, in my humble opinion. But let's, let's forget all that. I think they're going to rebound in this one. Burnley are a nice slump buster in a lot of different ways. You know, Tottenham needed a big win. Burnley's like, sure, here you go. Here's, four, here's a 4-0 win. And you know what? We'll put a cherry on top. Let Gareth Bale score a couple as well. So, so I think that Leicester are going to find a Burnley team who are struggling. They're okay at home, Burnley. But, but Jamie Vardy. So all my bets with regard to this one around Jamie Vardy. He scored only once since Christmas Eve. The guy is due. So I don't know which Vardy bet you like here. I think he's going to score in this one. Vardy to score first is plus 300. Okay, if you don't like that, that's fine. Vardy to score first or last is plus 160. Okay, if you don't like that, I got another one for you. Vardy to score anytime plus 110. Vardy to score with his right foot plus 200. Vardy to score Leicester to win 1-0, 2-0, 2-1. I don't know which one's going to hit. 
could be multiple of those, but because like, imagine if you bet score for a score with his right foot and Lester to win one zero, and you hit all those, I'd be like, God, Jimmy's a genius. And maybe I will be, I don't know, but I do think that Vardy is due and I think he will score. And the only way that Lester are going to really stay relevant in the top four conversation is Jamie Vardy hitting the back of the net again. And if he doesn't, that team, that team's just going to fall back and, and maybe even fall out of the top six, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, uh, James Madison aside, uh, Harvey Barnes as well is not in this one as well. He's injured. So everything really falls to players like Jamie Vardy. Hey, how about if Jamie Vardy picks up the corner flag again and starts playing it like a guitar? Is that a line <laughs> I, I think I he's, I don't, that seems like a happy Jamie Vardy. I think he's a frustrated Jamie Vardy right now. I think he's going to break that corner flag into two. Yeah, uh, he's going to really smash. He's going to give the, the Joao Felix uh, score. I don't know if you guys saw the celebration of Joao Felix came on. He, he was basically yelling at, at Diego Simeone after he scored against Villarreal this weekend. And Simeone was like, yeah, that's fine. I want him to be upset. <laughs> yeah, I love Simeone. Cholo dude. loves it. Cholo oh, loves man. He wants, he wants pissed off players. I like Diego Simeone, man. What a, dude, what a Simeone player. lives to yell 24-7. He's at home, <laughs> like, just yelling at everybody. Like, absolutely. He loves that. He loves it. Hey, everybody. Yeah. We got plenty more because we weren't lying when we said Wednesday has a lot of games. So taking a quick break, when we come back, we have the DFB Pokal, Serie A, Liga, and much more. Stay right here. Que golazo. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. A new podcast is joining the family for years. Fantasy Baseball Today has been delivering league-winning analysis and advice as part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Now, the team is coming at you fast with a brand new feed. Don't worry, the old one will still stay the same. The Fantasy Baseball Today in 5 podcast is your audio outlet for fantasy news and advice in five minutes or fewer. It's going to feature familiar voices like Frank Stanfield, Scott White, and Chris Towers as they break down what matters most to help you win your league in a quick hitting format. Available first thing in the morning, Monday through Friday. Download and subscribe to Fantasy Baseball today in five on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, your smart speakers, and anywhere else podcasts are found fantasy baseball today oh and by the way go yankees baby hey everybody welcome back to kego lasso our wednesday preview jimmy conrad here we're gonna go the rest of europe now a lot of games let's go to germany jimmy conrad dfb pokal leipzig against wolfsburg Ooh, baby what a game this is a great game and for everybody that is unaware of the Bundesliga or, or German football, RB Leipzig and Wolfsburg are right now currently second and third in the Bundesliga table, just nipping the heels of Bayern Munich, who've dropped off a little bit. I still think Bayern's going to go on to win the league, but they're making it interesting in the Bundesliga. But this is the cup competition. This is the quarterfinals. Now, which Bayern Munich are not part of. So it's that's a true. It's wide open right now. So here, here's the fun fact about this. RB Leipzig and Wolfsburg, second and third. Okay. The other big teams that are left in this one are Borussia Mönchengladbach and Borussia Dortmund. Those two just happen to play each other in the quarterfinal, and the winner of that will play the winner of this one. So all the top Bundesliga teams are in this one side of the bracket, and the rest are all like Bundesliga two teams. So we can have a real Cinderella story in this cup competition, which is uh, very cool. And, and, and 
the sister club, Holstein Kiel, I've talked about this before, who beat Bayern Munich, are a club that we work with here with the, the team I help coach, San Francisco Glens. Let's go up the Glens, uh, in USL League Two, fourth division in this country. That's a bigger conversation. We could talk about that another time. But it's very cool to see that these Cinderella stories are happening, right? We're seeing it in the Europa League as well, and we get to see it in these cup competitions. So I'm excited about this. However, with this one, this is a crazy-ass game, everybody. Listen, these are the two top defenses in the league, okay? Uh, Wolfsburg, who I think everybody's surprised that they're in here, so I want to give a shout-out to their manager, Oliver Glasner. I mean, he's done a wonderful job with them. They've only given up 19 goals all season and 23 total in the Bundesliga. Uh, RB Leipzig are second with only 20 goals up against. So we got two defensive forces. Here's a fun fact for you, Luis. This is going to blow your mind. Since RB Leipzig and, and Wolfsburg played each other in January, it was a 2-2 draw, Wolfsburg have yet to give up. They haven't given up a goal since then. Nine straight games. Like, what is even nine straight games without giving up a goal? That is some next-level-ish, dude. So, so that's impressive. And obviously, RB Leipzig are, are coming in on fine form. They were down 2-0 to Borussia Mönchengladbach, came back at 1-3-2. So they're feeling pretty good about themselves. My only concern about this, after let's leave the defensive side apart, is that Wolfsburg are very heavily uh, – they, they put all their, their goal-scoring weights on one, one player, Wout Weghorst, which is like what, – what a name that is. He's got 14 incredible. goals in the Bundesliga. Uh, incredible. And, and they only have two other players that have scored over four goals. Let's go over to RB Leipzig. They have six players that have scored four or more goals this season. They're all around five or six. Nobody's like really killing it like Valt Veghorst. What a name. I want to keep saying that about Veghorst. I know. It sounds like a super, like a, like a hero from like a Viking show. That it is amazing. Stars Valt Veghorst. And, <laughs> and it's spelled with a W, right? You pronounce the W's as V's. But whatever. I just learned that. <laughs> no, I guess if you say Robert Lewandowski enough, you know that the W's are V's. Anyway, that's a sidebar. Uh, I just think that RB Leipzig are probably a little bit more diverse in how they want to attack. Whereas with Wolfsburg, they kind of go through one guy. And that is the one limitation I think, I think with Wolfsburg that said their defending is so stout. I think after 90 minutes, I'm going to go with the draw here. It's plus 275. I think this one will be a fun one to watch. It could be a fun zero, zero. It could be a fun two, two. I don't really know, but I think through 90 minutes, these two teams are pretty evenly matched. And they both have to be looking at this, very similar to Sevilla and Barcelona, that if they can get past this, they have a really good chance to win this competition, especially as you mentioned at the beginning with Bayern Munich out. So yeah. this is like, Wolfsburg ain't going to win anything of consequence unless it's this, right? And, and the same could be said potentially for RB Leipzig, who've never won this competition before. Wolfsburg won it back in 2016. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one. And I think both teams are going to go for it, which is what I like. But yeah. I think it's going to be a draw after 90 minutes. Yeah. No, nice. Good bets there. And by the way, Wolfsburg fighting for a Champions League spot. So they're having a good season. And they won the DFB Pokal in 2015. 2015. Yeah. yeah. And Leipzig were runners up two years ago. So they're not strangers to going far in this tournament. And to Jimmy's point, it's going to be a great one. All right. Let's keep going. The rest of Europe because we got. I'm going to just give you uh, some games sure. from, from everywhere. And then you just yeah. tell me what you think. All right. Uh, Serie A, we got AC Milan against Udinese, Fiorentina against uh, Roma. We'll go to France. Uh, plenty of games in Ligue 1, including Lille against Marseille, which is a good one. And if you go to Portugal, the Taca de Portugal, you got Porto against Braga. Some good games here. Just go anywhere you want, my friend. So I'll probably go... Right now to AC Milan, Udinese. Milan came off a big win against Roma over the weekend. Rome had Roma hadn't lost at home all season. And Milan went in there and 
one, two, one. And, and what I thought was interesting was that Milan went up one zero and then Roma came back and made it one, one. And I thought, Oh, here we go. Roma's going to figure it out and get the result. But Milan, even when Zlatan went out, Ravich came in and scored a banging goal. And I actually thought it was a really impressive performance by Milan, which was what they needed, right? They were not playing that, that well. And maybe it was Zlatan out. Maybe this team is a little bit better. Sometimes Zlatan can be a bit of an anchor. And even though he gets his numbers, it doesn't mean that the team is as well balanced. So maybe this is a team that can play a little bit better. You bring in Rafael Leao, who I really love, the 21-year-olds. He he just is a little bit more dynamic and he can do more than Zlatan with all due respect. Now Zlatan obviously brings his intangibles and, and his swagger, which I think also elevates teams. But I do want you guys to pay attention to Udinese's Rodrigo De, De Paul. He's so uh, good, man. So good. 26-year-olds. Where's the number 10 shirt for Udinese? Wanted by a lot of people. Real Madrid like him. A lot of people like him. Dude, Liverpool. I mean, he yeah. – and he should, dude. This guy can play. And so five goals and three assists this season. Five goals actually leads the team, which is a, never a good sign when your number 10 is the leading goal scorer. But he's the one that pulls the strings. He helps the team transition. He's the one that sets up – most of the attacks, everything runs through him. And even if you mark him, he's still finding ways to have success. I like him to somehow get Udinese involved. They're mid-table. Milan need to win this. So I think Milan will do it. Here's the fact that I'm going to go with, with everybody. Uh, there have been over two and a half goals scored, okay, in six of Milan's last seven at home. This one's at the San Siro. And there have been over two and a half goals scored in five of Udinese's away games, or six, five out of six away games. So I'm going to go with Milan to win and over two and a half goals. I feel like uh, it's all playing to that plus 170. That's kind of the, the thing I'm looking at right now. That's, that's like the best value you could find of all the games that you discussed. I am curious about that Lille-Marseille one in particular. Marseille uh, have drawn their last four away from home. They have uh, Sampaioli going to be coming in, uh, not this match, but the next one. They had a big draw this past weekend against Leo, and uh, Leo just dropped some points there. Leo also dropped points, 1-1 draw against Strasbourg. They're on top of the table, barely. PSG were the big winners this past weekend in Ligue 1 with their 4-0 win, and uh, Mbappe scoring and everybody feeling good over there. So I think PSG will ultimately win the league, but if, if Leo and or Leo want to stay out there and make it difficult for them. They have to win these types of games. It's just Marseille are going to be a little bit difficult. They're missing a few players. Some people are coming back from injury, but keep your eye on this one. Cause this Lille team, you know, getting bounced from the Europa league as well. Can't be feeling too good. So I feel like maybe that was a little bit of a feeling sorry for themselves against Strasbourg this past weekend. And we'll see how they bounce back here. Really important game for Lille. I think it really will determine whether they are true contenders for, for the league on title. Well, and this is an audition for Marseille as well, because uh, Jorge Sampaoli will be watching and you want to make sure that you impress. And if there's one manager that's just like, I don't care who you are. If you are not working, we're not putting you on. It's uh, Sampaoli and he's done it for better or worse, of course. And by the way, uh, Sampaoli was convinced about Marseille because, of course, Marcelo Bielsa, who could probably convince anybody to do anything. That's true. Um, all right. Any Porto Braga looks good. Jimmy? Yeah, it's a good one. That's it's leg two of the Portuguese Cup semifinals. One one leg one. This one goes back to Dragao Stadium in Porto. For me, Porto has to look at this because of their 0-0 draw with the league leaders, Sporting Club de Portugal, this past weekend. They're now 10 points behind them, so the league pretty much is out of reach. This is probably their best opportunity, even if they get past Juventus in the Champions League. I was going to say, man. What, they're not going to win the league. They might get past Juve, but they're not going to win the Champions League. Yeah, but they can. getting past Juve is good. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's something you should feel good about, even if you lost in the next round, getting past Juve. And they've got that 2-1 lead going into leg two, back to Turin. With this one, though, at home against Braga, who are good and very solid, even though they lost to Roma 
uh, in the Europa League, so they're out of that competition. I just think Porto's going to have a little bit too much, and they got that away goal. So I, I like Porto to get through here, maybe both teams to score. But uh, Porto's got to be really licking their chops. This, this might be their only real chance at silverware this season. So, And then Braga can say the same thing. I just think Porto's got a little bit more talent. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, we're going to wrap things up, by the way, let's by it. bringing it back to uh, the Americas here. And let's talk a little Liga MX. Mm. Guys, do if it. you don't watch Liga MX, it's fine. There's a lot of stuff going on and stuff. But you need to know something. One, some of the best goals you'll see in a week comes from Liga MX. <laughs> That's true. They're just ridiculous. Right. Uh, for better or worse Two, uh, some of the most entertaining, again, for better or worse performances come from Liga MX. So Liga MX, Jimmy, the Apertura, Cruz Azul is leading with 18 points, Club America 16. Then you go Santos Laguna, Toluca, Club Tijuana, Puebla, Monterrey, etc. But there are some good games midweek on Wednesday, uh, beginning with uh, Tijuana against Club America and then Tigres, Tigres, the club World Cup finalist. Tigres against Toluca. What do you have for me here? Because Liga MX is fun as hell. It is fun. And it's a little bit unpredictable at times, but I will say one of the things that is predictable is Tigres kind of just hanging out until the end of the season. And then when the games really, really matter, they're going to win to get into the to, to La Laguilla, the, the, the Mexican League playoffs. And then they go on this crazy run and they go on to win it. I mean, that is a Tigres special. They are so talented. They really shouldn't drop any games. But because they were in the FIFA Club World Cup, as you mentioned, I feel like there's been a little bit of a malaise or a tiredness maybe associated with that, a little drop-off, as we've seen with Bayern Munich as well, who are now starting to come out of that. But the Tigres game is uh, very good, and I, and I look forward to seeing that, especially uh, against the Toluca team, who have the top scorer uh, in the league in Alexis Pedro Canelo, who has seven goals. And... I just want to see him against that Tigres defense. So these games are great. I also am a big fan of their jerseys in general, where they have like 85 million sponsors on there. <laughs> and there's just a lot of personality and flavor. And I think we should probably do it more of a service by talking about it a little bit more. And then obviously when MLS comes back into it, we'll have that to speak about as well. But, but uh, this is a great league. And, and, I, and I know that a lot of people watch it. It's, it's the highly, most highly rated league to watch in the United States. So there's definitely some eyeballs on that league in particular. But yeah, it's, it's if you guys need, let's just say like this, if you guys need a Mexican league team to support and you want it to be kind of similar in personality to the team you do support somewhere else, let us know, hit us up on Twitter and we'll try to find a like for like for you guys. Yeah, that's a great uh, point here. Tweet us at Kegolazo, Paul, Jimmy Conrad, LM Echegaray. And if you want to, you know, find out what Mexican team you should root for, well, let us know which one you root for uh, and we'll let you know. And by the way, to Jimmy's point about Liga MX, one of the fun things, just like MLS, uh, but probably a little bit better just because, you know, even if you breathe, you can make it to the playoffs in MLS. Like <laughs> here is a little tougher and they've like re kind of shifted a little bit. The top four get a first round by, but then uh, all the way down to 12, actually, they get. Uh, they change that? Yeah. So from fifth to 12, you play in. Wow. You know, the that, next round. That was only top eight before, but now it's. Yeah. So they make it. Wow. Yeah, first, wow. To, first to four, you're good. Right? That's very that's very uh, MLS of them to do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cruz Azul, Club America, Santos Laguna, Toluca, and then fifth to twelfth, you get that uh, uh, that the final series playoffs to get into. Wow, I yeah. learned something new today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, obviously, thanks it, that's that. COVID related, obviously, and and everything with that. But regardless of all that, just watch Liga MX. It's too it's too good. Um, all right, everybody. That's our Wednesday preview. Jimmy Conrad, before we say goodbye to you, any final words? 
I don't really have much. I feel like I, I mean, did a lot did of talking. Talk a lot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save everybody's eardrums. I'm just going to be done right now, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Que Golazo Pod. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, your smart speakers. We're on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Golazo. And please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts when you can. We're also on cbsports.com. Have a great, great rest of your week and see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.